This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Cormac Moore. Joining me on the line now, live from Japan, I suppose is Ireland's first ever sumo wrestler, originally hailing from Roscommon. Uh, John Gunning, thanks very much for uh, joining the show. Nice to meet you, Cormac. How does a, a, a random Irish guy wind up becoming a, a sumo wrestler in Japan? Random is a fairly good adjective for me, all right. <laughs> um, I came out here originally about 20 years ago on a holiday with a couple of friends and totally smitten with the country, you know. Didn't want to leave. Moved back here within a year. And uh, at the time, I was I was slim and I was playing soccer and running around, just, you know, the usual sports yeah. and stuff like that. And like most people who come to Japan who don't speak Japanese when they get here first, I didn't understand anything that was on the television. The internet was, you know, pre-broadband days. Yeah. The only thing really you could understand on the television was sumo. And it's, you know, as soon as you watch it, all the illusions that you had before about being fat guys in nappies go out the window. <laughs> the very first, I'm telling you, like the very first bout you see when you see two massive, like muscular guys smashing the hell out of each other, then you're like, oh, hold on now, this is a, this is a different thing. Like almost anyone who sees it, I was fascinated by it immediately. Became a fan of it. Went to tournaments. When you go to a tournament, then you know, you're hooked for life. You get the whole, like, the pageantry and the sounds and smells and sights of it. And I was living in Osaka when I came here first, moved up to Tokyo. Just kind of got more and more involved in, yeah. like, you know, as a fan. And then gave up the soccer. I couldn't run anymore and injured my knee, so I was looking for something else to do. Thought sumo looked easy. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong there, you know. And uh took that up, started it. Then, yeah, I just trained at that for about 10 years, fought in three or three world championships for Ireland, uh, moved to the sumo area where all the pros trained. Then I was like train, training with the pros. A lot of the guys who are in it now, when they were kids, I trained them. So like, 10 years it. doing doing uh, sumo, and I imagine when you say you represented yeah. Ireland at a, the, the world level, were you, I take it, the only yeah. person from the Irish contingent, but how did, how did you get on representing the country like? The, the amateur tournaments themselves, like the world championships, they're comprised of like the top guys in Japan from the college game yeah. and ex-pros and stuff like that like we fought the last tournament Ireland fought in the last tournament I fought in France was 2012 in Hong Kong the world championship myself and another guy Owen Cunningham and he was just doing it casually in Japan he was up in Akita as well and he was kind of just doing it casually there and uh but like he's an Irish guy who had some kind of a similar experience so, yeah, you know, yeah. we roped him into the team and uh he ended up facing Alan Karayev who's this massive Russian K1 mixed martial artist. He's a 
two meters, two meters, two centimeters, and about two hundred and twenty kilos. You know. Whoa. Um, yeah, he's he's literally a giant. And we faced the Russian team who ended up champions. You know, it's just you know you you try and you think you're not going to push them out even if they just stood there. You wouldn't have the strength to push this, <laughs> that size of a person out. You know, yeah. so you think I'll go around the back of them and maybe trip them. But like you know, when they move to the side, there's no space left in the ring. So, uh, come here. What was the um? You obviously had to gain weight. You don't actually have to because amateur has weight classes. Unlike All the right. pro level, amateur actually has weight classes. So if you watch an amateur tournament. It's much more like wrestling or boxing. You actually have guys like cutting weight, you know. They'll lose like three, four, five kilos in a couple of days leading up after the weigh-in before yeah. the actual bout starts. Um, the pro game, it's different. There's no weight classes. Everyone fights everyone. Um, I was turning in Japan. I was only 60 kilos when I started it. So, and I had no real wrestling background. I had a bit of martial arts experience when I was younger, but it doesn't really transfer, right, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about wrestling. Wrestling would stand to you, maybe judo. If you played rugby in the front row or you played American yeah. football or something like that, it's probably even better because it's two more really is about generating force in a really small area and just like moving somebody out of the way who doesn't want to be moved, you know? Yeah. So if, if you've got like that power generation type of sport, you have a good time. So I didn't really have a lot of background in that. So I didn't have the technique and I was kind of already older. So what I did was the handy thing is just put on weight. <laughs> so I went from 60 to... 120, but you know when you put wow. on weight, you're not just putting on fat. You know you're 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 in the gym, you know five six hours a day, training like morning and night. You know you just lift and lift and lift. And you don't have to do any cardio work or anything like that. that Suppose yeah, it's all power. Weight. It's all power you need. Yeah, all power, power like power. You know you ever see power lifters? Yeah, where they don't actually look. They don't look the way like the Schwarzenegger type of ripped muscles. They're yeah. really like massive bellies on them and stuff like that because. You know, you have that more that weight. You don't have to have um, like a rich physique to be strong. The strongest guys are always they have a little bit extra on them. You know, when you were at the height of of let's say the, the most training you were doing, what was a day in in the life like for a sumo wrestler who's training? So I wasn't. I was too old to join the pros, and I was obviously too small. And thankfully, you know, I would have been insane <laughs> enough to do it. You know, yeah, Luckily, I, can imagine, yeah. I didn't meet the requirements. You know, like, look back now when I thought of it, the professionals. Basically, their one their day is they get up at four or five. They start training usually five or six, depending on the stable how many's in it. They train four or five hours in the morning, and their training is. I've brought the Irish rugby team into training. I've brought NFL football players into training, and every single one of them has said, "Oh, I'm never ever going to complain about what we do again." Wow, really? Because that's just it, yeah, it's just the insanity you see it, and it's not just the intensity of it; it's the violence of it. You know, they train at 100% intensity. So you got boxers and you got people who do sparring, you know, they, yeah. they like, you know, they, um, in sumo, it's not like that. You just fight, you just fight. So you, you do all the exercises, even the warm-ups, warm-ups go for about two hours, leg lifts, push-ups, stuff. So you're sweating and you're exhausted and then you have to go fight for another hour or two. And in sumo, basically, there's no real rules as such. You can't punch with a closed fist or you can't kick above the, uh, above the waist. Pretty much everything else is okay. So, I mean, you get guys, like, knocked out. You know, they're smashing each other into the ground. And the coaches are walking around, you know, with bamboo sticks beating people. And not, not, not as much as they used to because, you know, you make any kind of mistake. Japan has a really, it's not just in sumo, but there's a culture in Japanese sports of coaches beating the hell out of their charges, you know. It happens wow. in baseball, happens in anything, yeah. It, it's kind of, it's called love. It's called tender love and care in sumo. When you basically just, you know, it's like to drive somebody to get as good as they can be. It was the same um, 
in Japan, like when they say rivals in sumo and the coaches, it's always like you you push somebody beyond what they think they can do themselves. You know, right, so yeah, everyone. Yeah. If you go to the gym and you lift or you train, you always think you've reached the point where that's it. You know, I can't do anymore. But the reality of it is, there's always another three or four percent there somewhere. And I just need somebody to basically like, keep slapping you around the face when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> keep bamboo yeah, slapping your ass. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work in Western countries. You know, a lot of the stuff that goes on in similar stables, when you see it the first time, you think somebody should be calling the police here. This just looks like assault, you know? And like, you see some guy getting slapped across the head by his coach, and then he just goes, like, thank you to the coach, you know? Wow. But it, it's a different culture. It's a different mentality. And sumo is... In, in particularly violent, you know, it's a particularly violent world, and it's a little bit of a difficult fit in the modern, you know, modern world and society. Now that people are starting to learn about what it goes on in reality in sumo stables, you're getting a lot more of these scandals about violence and stuff like that. But it is worse in the past. It's just that you know, sumo people don't really think that much of it. Yeah, um, speaking of kind of violence and stuff like that, you've had your own series of, of injuries over the years doing it. What were some of your worst ones? Uh, the worst one by far was when the humerus, the upper arm bone, the left arm split top to bottom into three places. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Yeah, that was in about, I, you know, that was partly my own fault. I was out drinking the night before. And I thought, <laughs> ah, I'll be fine. You know, I'll go to training. And I was kind of loose with the technique, didn't go in close to the guy. The guy that I was fighting at the time was only like 14 years of age, but he was 120 kilos, I think, or something like that. I mean, I a 14-year-old broke your arm? Yeah. That's he, amazing. What he did, he did, a, he did an arm lock throw on me, and because I wasn't in tight like you normally be, so my arm kind of got stretched out, and he slipped, and his whole weight oh, no. went down on the back of my arm at, at speed, oh. and basically the, the bone split top to bottom into three places, and, my, and because my arm broke, my head went smashing into the ground, and I lost sight and hearing, uh, wow. and I actually, <laughs> it was... The ambulance, they had to come and take me off the ring, still wearing the belt, you know. <laughs> and when I went into the hospital, but yeah, that, I mean, the bone took a year and a half to fuse back together. And now I've got like this really weird S-shaped, you know, upper arm bone. But when I was in the hospital, they had to do an MRI to see why I was losing sight and hearing. Like, yeah. coming and going, you know, I'm banging my head on the, on the ground. Because we fight on a hard ground. It's called clay, packed clay, but it's... it's they couldn't do the MRI because there was so much sand in my ears and hair from the rink. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I know. I mean, it's like I said in, in the Irish time thing, when I went into the coach then, you know, a couple of months later, I had a calf, shoulder to elbow, black and blue face, you know. I um, I had no movement in my arm for four months. You know, The nerves were all severed and everything. Ooh. And the coach just looked at me and said, are you going to train? <laughs> and, and I looked at him like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, there's nothing wrong with your legs, is there? Go and do some squats. <laughs> and sumo guys in the pros, they they tear an ACL. It's literally just get a supporter and put it on it and keep going. They break a finger, it's tape it up. It's just... It's kind of like the GAA back the, in the day. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see you come back in with sweat in the jersey. I want blood in them, you know? <laughs> it's like, like that old unbelievable thing, you know? But um, it is. It's the most macho style where like, I mean, they just... There's no sympathy for injuries whatsoever. Wow. If you can't do it, you know, you just quit, basically. You know, that's their mentality, you know. That's mad. I didn't realise it was that vicious or that rough. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't take from, from yeah, the... Yeah, it's, it's not the image that everyone has of Simo until they see it. Yeah. But then once they see it, they're like, this is not what I thought it was, you know. But, I mean, it's, it's becoming... We do a lot of stuff on television now, and it goes out, like, the NHK World shows that we do go out to 135 countries. And... 
you know, in the modern day, people have a lot more access to sports in other countries and ways yeah. to find them and see them online and stuff like that. So what sumo is is becoming a lot more well-known around the world. Uh, John Gooning, what's your Twitter as well before I let you go and people can kind of maybe follow you and keep an eye on what you're up to? I can't remember my own Twitter name. I have my phone on, here yeah. in front of me. I might see it. Uh, oh, it's at John Gunning ISJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John. ISJ, Inside Sports Japan. That's my own media company we have over here. So John Gunning ISJ, that's it. I've taken up loads of your time. Listen, John, thanks a million for joining me from uh, live from Japan. And thanks for sharing the horrific injuries you've had through sumo. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 no been, it's been Glad enjoyable. Glad to your, your listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'll never complain about anything. I, I I cramped up on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh, that's terrific!" But my God, I didn't have my arm ripped out of my uh, ripped out of my socket pretty much, and and forced to train then a month later with the trainer. Um, yeah, if you ever get tired of life and want to do sumo, go always just give me a shout. You know, I will. If, if I'm ever over that <laughs> side of the world, I'll give you a shout, and we'll go in and do a do a session. See, how we get on. All right. So thanks a million, Cormac. John. Thanks a million for that. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. FM One Hundred Four Sunday Night Live with. Cor- or make more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.